And then anytime I'm I'm preparing, and then anytime I'm preparing, I have such um a profound gratitude or a profound um what should I say? Like I really come to appreciate what you guys do. I'm like, oh my god, you guys are doing a lot to think that you do this every Sunday, every Wednesday, and then you combine it with your work. It's it's really a lot. So I I want to say that God really bless. You God bless pastors all over the world for for the amazing job that you do because it's it's not easy. <laughs> okay, so that brings me to um topic for today, the Great Commission. Um, this is not the first time that um we are talking about the Great Commission, um, but um that shows that it's it's, it's a very important topic. And um, when I was preparing for it, um, I read something about um, a survey that was done in 2018. Hopefully it's been updated, but I didn't see an updated one um, in 2018. And uh, the stats were, it's the, the statistics, what they showed was, um, it was startling, right? It was embarrassing, or I was, let's say I was shocked. It was, I was really shocked about, um, the the results that I saw, it said that 51% of the people that were surveyed had never heard the same Great Commission. They had never heard of it. And I mean, yes, Great Commission is not in the Bible. It's not necessarily um, in, something that you see in a text in the Bible, but um, it's, it's a term that has been coined by theologians. And if you've been um, a Christian, you, it's it's a term that you should you should know you should be familiar with. But fifty one percent didn't know anything about this. Only seventeen percent knew exactly what it was, and the other percentage um, because they had heard of it, but they couldn't define what it was. They, they didn't know what it was. They've heard of the term, but they didn't know what exactly it was. And then a number of scriptures were also given, and then. Um, people were asked to um, tell which of the scriptures showed um, the Great Commission or talked about the Great Commission. And again, it was just 33% that knew the verse. So I was like, wow, it's it's really imperative or it's really important that um, we keep talking about this, that people get to know about this, because this is very important. These were the last words of Jesus, not just anybody, Jesus, our Lord in our master Jesus. And we all know that the last words of a person are very important. It's coming straight from their hearts. They are, those are words that you know you need to take seriously. And so um it's it's great that um our pastor is thinking about this and then he asked me to talk about it again. So um let's go into the word. We're going to read a lot of scriptures today because this is Bible study, right? So you're going to be reading a lot of scriptures. And please don't leave me hanging. When I ask questions, please respond. <laughs> to make it interesting. Because I'm a woman of few words, right? So I need I need you all to help me. Amen. Okay, so our first reading is from Matthew chapter. Okay, let's take it from Matthew chapter. Is it Matthew chapter 18? Let's read Mark, Mark chapter 16. 
And then if anybody can help me with the reading, so it will be great because there's a lot of reading. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 to 18. And I want us to pay close attention to who is talking and the words that are being used in the in the in the passage and um if if you've been a christian you know that in the bible when whenever jesus talks the text is in red right so it's like they are trying to get your attention to let you know that this is important this is our master talking and so for all the verses that we are going to read we're going to read three um from three scriptures and all of these three you would see that um they are marked in red if you are reading from your bible you see that they are in red. So Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 18. And I read, and he said to them, okay, let me go before that so that we know who the he refers to. But of course, if you are reading from your Bible, you see that it's in red. So you know that this is Jesus speaking. But for the sake of those who are not using their Bible, just so everybody knows that this is Jesus speaking. So from verse 14, Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples themselves as they were reclining at the table. And he called them to account for their own belief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen from death. And he said to them, go into, so I, this, this is where Jesus is talking. I want us to pay particular attention to the words. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed in me and has been baptized will be saved from the penalty of God's wrath and judgments. But he who has not believed will be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. Amen. The next reading is from Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 28, sorry. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted that it was really he. Jesus came up and said to them, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, help the people to learn of me, believe in me and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. And then our last and final, well, that's not that final, but these are three foundational scriptures that I wanted us to read because the Great Commission is hinged on these three scriptures. Usually when we talk about the Great Commission, people just read Matthew chapter 28, but that's not the only accounts, right, of Jesus um, giving this commission to his disciples. You need to read all of these three to get the full message, what Jesus was trying to um, tell us. So the last one is from Acts. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. So when they had come together, they asked him repeatedly, Lord, 
Are you at this time re-establishing the kingdom and restoring it to Israel? He said to them, again, if you are reading from your Bible, you can see this is in red. It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. And after he said these things, he was caught up as they looked on and the cloud took him out of their sights. I just added that to show that these were the last words of Jesus right before he was taken up to heaven or right before he ascended. Amen. And from the beginning, I mentioned that the last words of every man is very important. These are words that are coming from the very heart of the person, from the very core of the person. So they are words that, that shouldn't be taken for granted. They are words that, like your pattern words, right? When you're parting with somebody, you tell them things that are important to you. And so Jesus, this is what Jesus told his disciples that they should go into all the world and then preach to everyone. So um, first of all, before we finish, by the end of this um, Bible study, there are a number of questions that I want us to be able to answer, right? What is the Great Commission? Who was this commission given to? Who gave this commission? And why is it relevant? So these are the questions I'm hoping to um, answer when once we are done with everything. And so from what we read, we know that we've, we've, we've already been able to answer one. Who gave the commission? Jesus. Jesus gave this commission. And so we know that this is very important because this is coming from our, our master, the man that we call our Lord, the man that we've all you know subjected ourselves to, to obey. So this is coming from our master. And then two, one thing I, I want to talk about is the fact that it is a command. A lot of people think, I, I don't know if a lot of people, but I think that people see this as um, more like a suggestion. You know, when something is a, a suggestion, you choose to do it or not to do it, right? Because it's just a suggestion. It's a mere suggestion. But this is not a suggestion. It is a command. And that is why when I was reading, I was like, we should pay attention to the words. He said, go. He said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go. And go is a very active word, right? We can't be passive about what he's asking us to do here. It is a very active word. It is a command. And when somebody gives a command, they expect you to obey. It's, it's not something you can do on your own time. They expect you to get up, be fast about it, be quick about it, and obey. So this is a command. And who did he give this command to? At the time, he was talking to his disciples, he gave it to them some 2,000 years ago. But now this message is to us, those of us who call ourselves disciples, those of us who call ourselves believers, who call ourselves Christians. This command that Jesus gave to them, it is for you and I. They are the reason why today we can also call ourselves believers. They passed on the baton. They, they also discipled other people. They passed on the baton. Somebody preached to you. Somebody preached to each and every one of us here. And that is why today we are here calling ourselves believers. And so that is that takes me to my next point, that each and every one of us, this is a mandate for everyone. It is not a mandate for just the fivefold ministry. 
it is not for just pastors, evangelists, you know, those who have re- actually been ordained as pastors. It's for every single believer. As long as you call yourself a disciple, as long as you call yourself a Christian, as long as you call yourself a believer, this mandate is for you. It doesn't matter if you're a politician. It doesn't matter if you're a footballer. It doesn't matter whether you're a mother, whether you're a wife, a husband. This is for you. This is a message for all and sundry, every single person. And then I want to talk about how agents this um, message is. It is agents because there is a deadline. Whenever there is a deadline to something, that you should do it with a sense of agency, right? There's a deadline because Christ is going to come back. We are not here forever. We will not stay here forever. He did say he ascended and he did let them know that he was going to come back. He's going to come back for his sins. And when he comes back, he's going to come back with judgments. He's going to judge the world. Those who did not accept him, he's coming back to judge the world. And so we need to treat this with agency, with some seriousness. Amen. And then the other point I want to talk about is this is very important. Why is it important? Because we are talking about the lives of men. We are talking about the souls of men. People are going to go to hell if they don't hear the word of God. If they die without Jesus, they are going to go to hell. It doesn't matter what you believe. If you are a Christian, this is something that you should believe in. If you don't believe this, then you're probably not even a Christian. There are a number of things that Christians believe. There are a number of things that that form our belief. We believe that Jesus died for every single person. He, He went to hell. He descended. He arose And one day he's going to come back again. And we believe that he's going to come back with judgment. We believe that there is heaven and there is hell. And anyone who doesn't believe in God is going to hell. There isn't any nice way about saying this. That is the truth. If you don't believe in Christ, you are going to hell. And so if you are a Christian and you believe this, you cannot treat this message with laxity. You can't be relaxed about this. You can't be lazy about this. It is important. We are talking about the lives of people. We are talking about your mom. We are talking about your dad. We are talking about your children. We are talking about your brother, your sister, the people that you love. We are talking about that colleague, the worker at work that you just with and laugh with. We are talking about all these people, these people who are important to us. This is very important. It's more important than just, you know, Calling somebody to check up on them is more important than giving alms to the poor. It's more important than clothing people. All these are parts of our faith. It's it's part of our religion, right? But the most important thing is that God wants us to be winning souls. That is our first and foremost um, purpose on this earth. Everybody has, we all have a singular purpose. People are called to be preachers. People are called to be evangelists. We all have, God has, you know, a purpose for all of us. But there's a corporate mandate for every believer. And so if you are now finding out, I mean, there are a lot of people who die without knowing their purpose. They're like, what did I come to this world to do? And they, they spend all their time trying to find out. Today, I'm going to give you one which is you are a witness. Simple as that. You are a witness. Anything else you do is is just, um, is an avenue 
for you to um, witness to people. And so if you are a preacher, you have a platform, you are teaching people, and you're not winning souls, you're not contributing to the program of God. If you, if you are playing keyboard and it's not winning souls, you're not contributing to the program of God. If you are a mother and you're not winning souls, if you are a, um, if you are a caterer, whatever it is that people define themselves by, when you ask people, what do you do? The first thing is, I, I, um, I'll probably say I'm, I'm an auditor. People will say I'm an accountant. People usually define themselves by their professions, right? But I, I want us to, you know, have this mindset that we are first witnesses. We are first soul winners. We are God sends. God sends us into this world for a purpose. And that's number one purpose is that we are witnesses. We are here to be a witness um, about Christ. We are here to declare Christ. He said, go and preach. So, so that is our work. We are we are supposed to preach the gospel to everyone. And what is the message? The message is very simple. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not perish. So people are going to perish if they don't know Christ, should not perish, but have everlasting life amen and then he said whosoever he said we should he said the world and so god loves the world not just the rich not just the poor not just the shots not just the tall he's talking about the entire universe the entire everybody in this world god loves everybody in this world. so who are we supposed to preach to everybody he said go and preach to every creature Every single person. I want us to read something from Matthew, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion. So this is Jesus and pity for them because they were dispirited and distressed like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is indeed plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Amen. Do, do you see the words that Jesus is using here? He says the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Who are the workers? Who are the laborers? Who are the harvest? He said harvest. So it means, what is harvest? So I went I went into, um, I looked up the dictionary. I wanted to understand what is harvest. So harvest, when, when a farmer, right? When a farmer talks about harvest, he has already planted, he has already sown, you know, the seeds. He has done everything that he needs to do. He has pruned. He has done all the work. And now it is time to harvest the crops. So the crops that he is going to gather, the crops that are ripe, that are ready, that is what is called harvest. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying he has already done the work. He has done everything possible so that everybody in this world can be saved. He has done the pruning. He has done the planting. He has done all of that. That is not our work. These, everybody in the mind of Christ, every soul is already a harvest. 
every soul is ripe. It is ready for, they are all ready to hear the word. They are ready to be saved. And what, what is Jesus saying the problem is? He's, he's, he's not saying the problem is the harvest. That has never been the problem. The problem is the laborers. He said the laborers are few. Who are the laborers? The, those of us who are supposed to go out there to, to preach the word. Those of us who are supposed to go out there and gather the people. Those of us who are supposed to go out there and tell them that Jesus loves them. And that Jesus has done everything for them. All they need to do is to believe. We are the few ones. And why are we few? Is it because we don't see this? Is it because we see what Jesus said as, as a suggestion and not a command to be to be um to be um obeyed? Is it because we don't see or feel that sense of urgency? Is it because we don't see it as important? Is it because the lives of these people are not important to us? Is it because we don't believe that they are going to perish if they don't hear the word? Is it because we don't think that this is for us? It's not a mandate for us. It's a mandate for only those who are in the fivefold ministry. Whatever your reason is, today I have come to show you that this mandate is for all of us. It is urgent. It is important. Jesus is coming. He's coming back soon. He's coming back to judge the world. And anybody who doesn't believe in Christ is going to hell. No two ways about it. And there is only one way to God, Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the battlefield. The devil, the, it's, 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 it's a battlefield, okay? We are contending with the devil for the souls of men, for the hearts of men, for the minds of men. That is what this is. We are contending with the devil because the devil wants to win these people and take them to hell. And God wants all these people to go with him to heaven. That is God's heart. That is Jesus's heart. He said, God so loved the world. Look at the word he used there, love. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That is his heart. When you read again from 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, again, you see the heart of God. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine. The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but he's extraordinarily patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. He doesn't want anybody to perish. That is his wish. He's not wishing for anybody to perish. He wants every single one to come to repentance. Every single one out there in the field. Every harvest. He wants us to harvest every single one. When crops are ready and you don't harvest them, what happens? They just rot. All the work that a farmer puts in has become waste. They just get rotten. No farmer wants to do that. They look forward to harvest season. They've done all the work. They've put in the work. Um, the rains have poured. They are looking forward to the harvest season. And as Christians, we have to look forward to this. The harvest season is now. We need to get out there into the field. We can't, we can't be bystanders. We can't just stand by and then just watch other people do it. The work is not for just a few people. It's for all of us. When you think about today, I just checked um, the population of the world at the time that I checked. 
so about 30, 30 minutes ago, you know, every time people are dying and every time people are being, um, um people are giving birth, we are about 8.1 billion. And do you know how many Christians there are in the world? I couldn't find it. I just found a projection and it was 2.6 billion. That is just one third. What about the two thirds? What is happening to them? We have Muslims. We have um, the gays, we have the lesbians, we have the atheists, we have those who don't believe at all. We have those who are coming to church and yes, are not saved. The harvest is truly plentiful. That's what Jesus said. He said the harvest is plentiful. It is a lot, a lot of people are out there that we need to harvest. We shouldn't allow them to go rotten. We shouldn't allow them to perish. And that is that is my message for today. I want I want us to have that same heart that Jesus has. He doesn't want anybody to perish. This is it, it was so important that when he was leaving, these were his final words to his disciples. And today, these are his his words to us, to you and I. It's not to the pastors. It's not to Pastor Jess. It's not to Pastor Steve. It's not to Pastor Robert. It's to everyone at the sound of my voice. It's to every believer out there. We are all supposed to partake in this. God says, Jesus said, the laborers are few. That shouldn't be it. It should come to a time where the laborers are many. Let us all get up. Let us all rise up. Everybody should do their part. If everyone is doing their part, I, I was listening to a man of God and he says that every national crisis was once a family crisis because everybody is part of a family, right? So it starts from the family. And so within your own family, if you if you are laboring, if you are teaching your children, if you are discipling them, if you are telling them about Christ, there wouldn't be a need for another person. There wouldn't be a need for us to send missionaries anywhere because every family, everybody is doing their parts. Mother is doing their part. Father is doing their part. Everybody is doing something, right? And so we wouldn't, we wouldn't need to send missionaries out there. So everybody should do their parts. That is my message for today. That this mandate is for every one of us. Whether you are a nurse, whether you are a doctor, that is just your profession. That is just a vehicle for you, for you to express what's, or for you to be a witness. It's just, that is just a profession. You are first and foremost a witness. You are first and foremost a soul winner. Amen. And so this is God's heart. He wants the whole world to be evangelized. He wants us to go out to the world, preach to everybody, teach everybody. Amen. So that's the first one that we are so winning. Number two, I want to talk about discipleship. I think we get that from, from Matthew, Matthew chapter 28, one of the verses that I read. Matthew 28, let me read it again. Matthew 28, 16 to 20. Matthew chapter 28. Okay, let me start from 18. All authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. He said we should go and make disciples. So the first one is soul winning. Let's not confuse the two. So soul winning is when... um. You know, you're just going out there telling people about Christ, telling them that Jesus loves them. They should give their lives to Christ. And then, then somebody will go like, oh, yes. I mean, after, especially after um, the preacher has preached and then there is the altar call and then somebody goes like, yes, I've given my life to Christ. Right there, that is, you've won a soul, right? You've won a soul. But after you've won the soul, what happens? 
this is this is somebody it's, it's like a newborn when you give birth to a baby what do you do you don't just leave the baby i mean the person the baby has just come into the world he knows nothing about the world you need to feed the baby you need to clothe the baby and even the food you need to, you need to start with what some milk because the baby's um, system has not yet, his digestive system has not yet developed, right? And so you start small. And then with the hope that one day this baby is going to be independent. One day this baby is going to grow up. One day this baby is going to talk. This baby is going to walk, right? So that is what Jesus wants us to do. He wants, after we have won the souls, we need to disciple them. And that is why he, he established the church, that is what the church is for. That is why we come every Wednesday. That is why we come every Sunday so that we can hear the word, so that we can be discipled, so that we can be mentored, so that we can be tutored, so that we can hear the word, the word that is able to build us up. Because Jesus doesn't want us to be at the same place we were when we first said, when we first raised our hand and said, God, um, I've accepted you as my Lord and personal savior. No. He wants us to transform. The Bible says that by being transformed by the renewing of your mind, how do you renew your mind? Through the word. And that is why the church is here to teach, to disciple. And so it is the work of every believer, every pastor. So as a believer, you are supposed to be planted in a church. Once you say, after you've raised your hand and you've given yourself to Christ, don't stay home. Be plugged into a church. Connect yourself to a church. Let the church help you, build you up. Go to church on Wednesdays. Go to church on Sundays. Don't listen to you know um, people talking about the church is, is, is in you. No. You need somebody to teach you. You need somebody to help you. Yes, we all have the Bible, but we don't all have the same understanding, right? We don't have, all have the same understanding of what's in the Bible. And that's why Jesus has given us the fivefold ministry. That is, that, is, that is their work, to help us, to build us up. He gave the fivefold ministry for the, for the perfecting of the saints. I don't have that verse here. If somebody could help me out with that verse, but there's there's a verse in the Bible that says that the 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 preachers they are giving for the perfecting of the saints. They are giving for equipping the saints, and so we need to go to church. If you are here, the sound of my voice, go to church. Don't stay home. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven to twelve. Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints for works of service to build up the body of Christ until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity. Amen. So that we are no longer children. See, 
He said, so that. So he wants us to come to church. He wants us to be perfected. He wants us to be trained. He wants us to be equipped so that we are no longer children, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wing of doctrine. And that is why we need to stay connected to a church. Stop jumping from one church to the next. Because usually pastors have, they have a curriculum, just like a school, right? They have a curriculum. They are trying to build something in us. And if you're a pastor and you don't have that, this, this is your call to do that. You, you need to have a curriculum because God has given you that Monday to teach, to teach us, to build us, to perfect us. And so you can't, every Sunday you have this platform, you can't just come and just come and teach anything. You have to realize that you are building people up. You have to realize that you are teaching people. You have to realize that you need to bring them, you need to bring all of us to a point where we are mature. We need to get to the point where we don't. We are not always coming to the pastor. Pastor, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. We need to get to the point where we are praying for ourselves and we are praying for others we need to get to the point where we are also discipling others that is the whole point in the beginning i talked about how god gave this mandate to the disciples and then they passed it on as a baton to others and because of that you and i we are all believers today and so it is imperative that when you have been discipled you also disciple others you don't just sit at one place with what you've heard. And you know, the best way to actually um, be, be good at what, at what you have learned or to really um, understand what you've learned is to teach others. Is the best way to teach others. So one thing that my brother is doing that I'm like, I'm really proud of him. He recently gave him his life to Christ. And anytime he talks to you, he's talking about the word. You can tell that he's on fire for Christ. He's excited about the word. He's learning, you know, he's, he's going to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. He's, he's like really into the church. He's listening. He's, he's giving himself to the word. And that's what all believers are supposed to do. Give ourselves to the word, be subjects, go to a church, plant yourself in a church. And he didn't stop there. Right now he has started his own Bible study. It's, it's amazing, right? Wherever you are. So that's my, the, the points that I want to bring up that this is not for just the, it's not just for the pastors and not just for the fivefold ministry, wherever you are, you know, more than somebody else, you know, more than the one who just gave himself to Christ. And so don't belittle yourself. Don't think that, Oh, I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. And so I don't know so much. You've been in the, in the church for how long? You've been in the church for one year, for five years, every Sunday, every Wednesday. It is time for you to also teach. You don't need a platform like, you know, like a pastor. You don't need that. Thank God now we have social media. Instead of updating your status and talking about unnecessary things, how about to use it to preach the word? How about to use it to, to share what you learned from, 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 the, from, um, from church? How about use it to share what you learned from um, your... Um, your morning devotion, right? You, you don't need to be a pastor. Let's stop making excuses. That is what my message is about today. Let's stop making excuses. Enough of the excuses. Jesus says the laborers are few. We need to get out there. We need to be busy. We need to go. You don't have to be a missionary. You don't have to go um, to another country. You don't have to travel to another country. Wherever you are, Wherever you are, the Bible says that he, he everyone is a harvest. 
Everybody is a harvest. Everybody who has not given himself to Christ is a harvest. Everywhere, he says, to the ends of the world. So everywhere, no place is spared. Everywhere, whether it's Israel, whether it's Gaza, wherever, whether there is war or not, all those places are right. All those places are mission fields in your home. You're right where you are, your workplace. It's a mission field. Disciple others. Today, choose to disciple others. Choose to teach somebody what you have learned. You've been in the church for far too long. You know something. You definitely know something. Don't think that you don't know anything. Pastor Steve has been teaching us every Wednesday, every Sunday. Pastor Jess has been pouring into us. Pastor Robert has been pouring into us. We have heard enough. We have heard a lot. We need to come to a place of maturity. We need to come to a place where we are also discipling others because that is the goal. At the end of the day, that is the goal. Yes, we are going to go to heaven, but before we get to heaven, we need to mature right here on earth. We need to be all that God has called us to be. We need to live life to the fullness. And that is why a lot of people are mocking our message, right? Because when when we take the message, we are not, we are not um, allowing ourselves to be transformed by the message. Because the gospel is, is not is not just to get people to heaven, right? I believe that it is it's it's supposed to be it's it's something holistic, right? It's supposed to build you up, it's supposed to help you like as a Christian, like we should be the best people in the world, we should be the best workers, like when they are looking for best workers, it, it, it should be us. You know how um when when you are from like Harvard or one of those schools, a lot of recruiters go to those schools and then they are recruiting the students even before they graduate. They are recruiting the students into their companies. That is how the church should be, right? When the, when the world sees us, they should want to come to this church to recruit from this church because they know that when you come to this church, the kind of people you're going to get, you're going to get people who are, who are of quality, right? People who are of a certain mindset, people who are mature, people who are, they don't, they, when, they, when they are doing their work, they do it to perfection. People who are not lazy. That, that When people think about Christians, these are the words they should use to describe us. When people think about Christianity, they shouldn't, People shouldn't turn up their noses when they hear about God. They should be excited when they hear about God. They should be excited when they see us. We should be one of the most exciting people in this world. Because we have the message. We have the message of the gospel. We have the gospel that is able to save men. We have the gospel that is able to change men. Amen. So these were the two main points that I really wanted to bring out because that is what that is what the Grace Commission is all about. That one, we should go out there and win souls, and then two, we should disciple. And these are not they are not for just pastors. They are not just for the ministers. They are not just for um the fivefold ministry. It's for every person. It's for every believer. If you are a believer, you are called first to be a witness. You are called to win souls wherever you are at your workplace. You are called to be a witness. If you are not actively witnessing to people, if you are not actively winning souls, you are not part of God's agenda. This is God's heart. We read, we've read so many verses to show that this is God's heart. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 
I did say that today we'll be reading a lot of scriptures because this is a Bible study. First Timothy, Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Okay, let's start from 3. This kind of praying is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge and recognition of the truth. For there is, and this is the truth, right? That there is only one God and only one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ. And this is the message that he has given us to go give to the world, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the right and proper time. And for this matter, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. And I'm telling the truth. I am not lying when I say a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. And for this matter, you were appointed as a witness. And for this matter, I was appointed as a witness. Everyone here has been appointed as a witness to go and preach, to go and tell people about Jesus. And so as a pastor, as a doctor, whatever you are, you should be actively winning souls. If you are not actively winning souls, with your job, if you are not actively winning souls with your profession, if you are not actively winning souls with your time on this earth, you are wasting time. And we talked about agency. We talked about the fact that this is a command. So we need to go. We need to obey. This is agents. There is a deadline. Jesus Christ is coming back. He is coming back soon. He is coming back. And it is important because these are the souls of men. People are going to die if they don't have Jesus. They are going to go to hell. For me, whenever I hear that somebody is dead, the first thing I think about, did he know Jesus? Did he know Jesus? And if he knew Jesus, then that is fine. I mean, we can cry about it. When my dad died, of course, I was sad and everything. But one thing that kept me going was the fact that I knew he was in heaven. And that gave me a lot of peace. That made me happy. Even when I cried, I was like, it's fine. I know he's in heaven. It's okay. I know he's in heaven. And so that should be our hearts. When your husband dies today, is he going to heaven? When your children die today, are they going to heaven? When your brother or sister dies today, are they going to heaven? I want to give us three ways that we can help in fulfilling this great commission. So one of them is prayer. This is nothing new. As a Christian, it's it's part of our life, right? We are supposed to be praying. When you get to that point of maturity where you are matured, you don't come to God always asking for things. You, you should come to a place where you know that all things have already been given to us. And so stop asking God for things every day, asking God for things. Try switching it up and then pray. What did, what, what did we read from? Was it from Matthew? Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Let's read it again. And then we'll come back to First Timothy. Matthew chapter 9. Let's start from, the, from 37. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is indeed plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So right there, we have our prayer points. This should be your prayer every single day. Father, send 
people into their harvest. Lord, send people into your harvest. Lord, send me into your harvest. Lord, use me as your laborer. Lord, what should I do? How should I go about fulfilling this great commission? Pray for the souls of men. Pray that men will be saved. Pray that it, it, it and then was it, is it first Timothy, the, the verse that I just read? First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two, verse one. First of all, then I urge that petitions, prayers, let me change from amplified. It has too many words. Okay. Therefore, I exhort, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. If you've been paying attention today, everything that I've been reading, it says all. The underlying word is all. He says go all. Everything is all, all, all. He doesn't say preach to only the poor. He doesn't say pray for only the rich. He doesn't say pray for only the Latinos. He doesn't say pray for only the Africans. It is all. Everybody, I exhort you to pray for all men, giving of thanks and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we have another prayer point here. We pray for all men that they will all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So every day when you are praying, when you wake up in the morning, when you are on your way to work, when you are about to sleep, can we for one stop asking God for things and then just ask for the souls of men? Ask for the souls of men. Ask for the souls of men. Pray for the souls of men. Soul winning is not to fill our churches, is not to increase our church membership. That's not what it is. It's to fill the kingdom. That is what it is. It is to fill the kingdom. And so it doesn't, it doesn't matter whether the people you are winning are coming to your church or not. At the end of the day, we want to see people go to heaven. We want to see people make Jesus their Lord and their Savior. And so pray for the souls of men. Pray that all men will come to the saving knowledge of Christ Jesus. Pray that the devil will take his hands off men. Pray that the minds of men, because that is what we are contending for. We are contending for the minds and the hearts of men. Pray for the minds and the hearts of men that will be receptive to the word, that when they hear the word, it will pierce into their hearts and it will change them and transform them. Amen. The second one is to give. Again, this is nothing new for Christians. Give. Let's give to the gospel. Let's give to the church. Let's give to the missions. If you won't go and somebody is going to go, the least you can do is to support with your money. Give to missions. Give to the church. There are a lot of um, churches that want money to fund missions. There are a lot of people who have given their life to, to just go out there and preach the gospel. They are not doing any work, nothing. That is all they want to do. Find that minister and support that minister. Find that church. We, we are already part of a church. Give to the church. There are lots of other churches around. There are lots of um, um, organizations that help with the planting of churches. Give generously. That is how the Bible teaches us to give. It says we should be generous. 
first of all, remember that every, everything is from God. It's not even yours to begin with. And so if, it is, if, if it's from God and it's not yours, why are you hoarding it? Give. Be generous with your money. Give it. Supports the mission of God. Give it to missionaries so that they can help their families. They can support their families and they can think about, you know, they don't have to think about feeding their families, right? Your, your money will go to feed their families and then they can do the work. Support missionaries. If you are a church, support missions. If you are an individual, support missions. Everything that I'm saying is not just for the church. It's not just for the fivefold ministry. I've said this and I'll say it again. It's for every one of us, every believer. If you are a believer, this this should it should be important to you. It the Bible says that wherever I don't know if it's the Bible, is it the Bible? <laughs> but you can know you can know what is important to a man. Okay, by looking at their bank statements, you can you can know what is important to somebody by looking at where their money goes to. Right. And I think there's something in the Bible that says something about that. I just can't remember what the verse is. <laughs> right. So support with your money. Support with your money. Help missionaries, help churches to fund missions. Amen. And then the last one, these are not the only ones, right? I mean, there are still a number of ways that you can help to fulfill the Grace Commission, but these are some of the ways. So one is prayer, the other one is give, and the last one is your influence. Don't waste your influence. Don't waste your platform. Remember that I said that we are all witnesses. First of, first and foremost, we are witnesses, right? Before your profession, that your profession is just um, a platform. So when I say platform, this is what I mean. So don't waste it. Are you a politician? Don't waste it. Are you a mother? Don't waste it. Are you a father? Don't waste it. Use whatever influence that you have. Everybody has, you know, people within their sphere who they can influence. We all have, everybody has at least that one person that you can influence. If you are a mother, you have a lot of influence on your children. If you are a pastor, you have a lot of, people just respect you, right? People just respect, when you tell them something, they just listen, they just want to do it. And so don't waste that platform. If you are a politician, don't waste that platform. If you are a doctor, don't waste that platform. Use your influence to support missions. If you are a believer and you are in governance, don't support laws that will go against missions. Don't support the killing of missionaries. Help to pass laws that would help, you know, missionaries. Help to pass laws that will help to, um, um, the, the propagation of the gospel. And that is what I mean by platform. Whatever influence that you have, don't waste it. Let's not make it difficult for missionaries. Let's make it easy for them. If you won't go, use your influence to support them. Amen. I'm wrapping up. We are coming up to the hour, so let me wrap up. So what's, I hope that I was really able to answer all the questions that I, I, I gave. I was like, who gave this commission? And we found out from the verses that I read, the foundational um, verses that I read, which was Acts, Mark, and then Matthew, that it this is from Jesus. Jesus was the one who gave us this commission. And it is a commission. It is a mandate. It is a command. 
it is not a suggestion. It's not something that we can decide to do or not to do. It is a command. He said, go. And so we are supposed to go. It is urgent. There is a deadline. People are dying by the hour. People are dying by the minute. People are dying every day. And Jesus is going to come back. It is urgent. We cannot, we, we cannot just, we, we cannot be lazy about this thing. We need to develop a passion in us. If you don't have that passion, after, after this, we are going to pray if, just a few minutes that God should develop that passion in us. God should, if, if, it's, if it was there and it has, it, it has died, today we are asking God to reignite that passion in us for souls. My husband usually says something, a soul is a soul. I think he heard it from another pastor, but he's the one I heard it from first. So a soul is a soul, right? A soul is a soul. Pastor Robert, can you help me with this? Is it is is, is that it's is I think there's something more to it. But that's what he's like. A soul is a soul. Everybody is a harvest. Let's not waste it. Whether the person is rich, poor, whatever, let's go out there and then win souls. We should be actively winning souls. And two, we should be discipling wherever you are in your in your um in your relationship with Christ, thank you. A soul is a soul and it's precious to God. Everybody is precious to God. So let's be careful how we treat people. Let's be careful whatever platform we have. Let's be careful. If you are if you are a businessman and you know that first of all, you are a witness, it affects the way you even transact your business. It affects how um, what you do with your money. You will pay tight on it. You will give to missions. And you will do the right business. Amen. Sorry, I was recapping. <laughs> so number one, we are supposed to be soul winners. Why should we be soul winners? Because this is a command from, from God himself, from Jesus Christ, from our Lord, from our, from our master. And so we, we ought to obey. It's a command. We need to obey it. It's urgent. There's a deadline to which Jesus is going to come back. People are dying. It's important because these are the souls of men. They are going to die. They're going to suffer eternal damnation. They are going to be separated from God if they die without Jesus Christ. We are supposed to disciple. This is the work of the church. It is the work of believers. Everybody not just the five-fold ministry. We are supposed to disciple people. If you're a pastor, you should have a curriculum to teach and to build believers, to perfect the saints, to equip them and then send them out so that they can also disciple others. People are coming to listen to you every day. Don't waste it. Don't waste people's time. Teach them. Teach them the word of God. Teach them. Uh, there's a pastor. I, when, when I said teach them, I just remembered this man of God, Prophet Drew. He has a preaching on that. It's like, teach them. Let's teach our children. Let's teach our brothers. Let's teach our sisters. Pastors, teach us. When we come to church, teach us. Teach us the unadulterated, of, the unadulterated word of God that will build us up. And then finally, I mentioned three ways that we can all help. I said that we should pray, we should give, and then we shouldn't waste our platform. We should use our influence to advance the kingdom of God. Amen. So before I, I, I stop and I turn it over to Pastor Jess, I want us to pray a quick short prayer. I want us to pray that God will ignite in us that passion, that we will have the heart of God for souls, that wherever we are, we will have this at the forefront of our mind, 
that first of all, we are first witnesses that this, this is the heart of God. So God should ignite that passion and now shall we pray. Father, Lord, we pray this evening, O God, as we have heard your word, we pray, O God, that we will have the sense of agency, that we will come to realize that people are dying by the minutes and that when they die without you, they are going to hell. And so it's imperative that we go out there and preach the word. We teach the word. We disciple people. We disciple our children. We disciple our parents. We disciple our brothers, our sisters, our friends, that we preach the word to our coworkers, that we don't waste our plastic. Forms. We don't waste opportunities. We don't waste time. We don't just give people um, um, money. We don't just give people clothes, but we tell them the word that is able to save their souls. For the first need of any man, any unsaved man, is salvation. And so, Father, I pray for everyone at the sound of my voice, oh God, that we will that you ignite in us that passion, oh God. Ignite in us a passion. Ignite in us a passion. Ignite in us a passion. Give us your hearts, oh God, that every day, every single day when we wake up, oh God, this will be at the forefront of our minds, that we will pray for people. We will pray for men and women to be saved. We will pray for children to be saved. We will pray for their hearts and their minds to be receptive to the word, that they will hear your word and they will be saved in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray, oh God, for every church out there that you will empower the teachers, you will empower the fivefold ministry, that they will go back to this, um, to, to, to your heart. So God, what your heart is, that um, whenever they are teaching, they will teach with this at the forefront of their minds, that at the end of the day, it's all about soul winning. It's about winning souls for you. It's about helping to prop up to propagate the gospel we pray oh god that we will not live here the same that we will live ignited we will live with this passion ignited in our hearts in the mighty name of jesus have we prayed with thanksgiving amen over to you pastor chess